Hello and welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. And I'm Swizz. Hey. And uh, thank you for joining us. This is our what the fuck to do with Grundy scenario situation, bringing you all the hypotheticals so that way we can touch on your team in depth. Before we move on, though, brought to you by splashvoca.com.au and earnyou.io. Check them out and uh, show them some love. SC Insider 100, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, also, all the audio platforms as well, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it, and the YouTube, Chris. Uh, search for a Supercoach Insider. But I want to say, um, you know, the conundrum of Grundy. I mean, I don't know about you, but me and Swizz don't have that conundrum, so you guys can just... <laughs> what happened there? Is that, you know, is that the um, audio clip from uh, Wolf of Wall Street when he's like on the ludes oh, and he's yes. like, <laughs> yes. it's or, he's uh, trying to kick the school? door open. Old school. Or oh, yeah. This is fucking door in my This is door in Hey, let's try that again. Is it Grundy? It's Grundy. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, I don't have that problem. Swiss, do you have that problem? No, I don't have that problem. Oh, excellent. Yeah, Just you, ben, ben? Hey, ben when what did you? When did you cash him out, boys? How much did you lose when you cashed him out? No, we, I gained 91 points and about 60K on the competition over the last two weeks. No, 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 no. I meant at what price point did you get Grundy out? When oh, he was like 580? Five, I, I cashed him out at 583, I think, or something like that. Oh, yeah. He's lost 80,000 and I am so bummed. Um but also, Jack Steele's gone up at like twenty five k as well. So I mean, you know, nah, he's he's nah, he's, <laughs> he's he's cheap. He's cheap. You bro. didn't do Grundy know. to steal. Oh, yeah, I did. Did you not yeah. do it, Ben? No, did you didn't do it, fucking buddy. rook. Uh, I did. I did not do it. Um, the same. I did not do it the same way as Whitfield. The new boys moved him on. But again, you'd be top you... hundred right now if you'd listen to us. Yes, but I'm also ranked higher than both of you cunts put together. So there oh, you go. Oh, actually, no, that's fine. We, I think we've hit him in the in a rough spot there, Swiss. Actually, I <laughs> I sincerely apologise. Normally, the occasional swear word is an adjective to describe things. I can't believe I just dropped the C bomb. Um, <laughs> anyway, so there we go. It's, Look, it's Australian, though, isn't it? I was reading yeah, on Twitter today that certain things are just Australian, and apparently yeah. that is Australian. And I don't understand it because I don't believe that you can't define anyway. Australians by whether or not their use of the C word is, is colloquial no. or not. Uh, and generally, I'm not a huge swearer. Occasional adjectives. Uh, you guys bring the worst out in me, let's face it. <laughs> um, Supercoast brings the worst out in us. Uh, yeah, pretty much. But hey, look, let's let's talk about that. So if you own the hypothetical, if you own Gorn and Grundy, if you went Proust last week, I think you're absolutely laughing. It's a simple Grundy down to Hayes. I think that's pretty much the easiest scenario. If you have a Gorn and Grundy, you are pretty much laughing because you're already set in the other ruck department. You've already got Proust and you've got Hayes. That's the easiest scenario you're going to have. The complicated one that I've heard is someone that has Gorn, they have Wits and they have Proust. And they're saying, oh, do I get rid of Wits for a Hayes? You, now, you mean what? Oh, so, so they, they don't Gorn, have – okay. They have so gone. This is not, they have nothing to do wits. with Grundy then. No, but now they're talking. <laughs> but no, but now they're also talking about the whole Hayes scenario. Sorry, that's kind of a bit of a mess up. Um, but again, you've got two, like the three of the top four rucks, including English, and you're then looking at a Hayes, which is probably a real big cash cow. That's another scenario that someone's having this week. Um, 
for those like me, and we'll go through my scenario because it's very different to your scenario, Chris, or your opinion on this scenario. Now, my position is Grundy's out. I think I'm just going to have to pay the extra bit of money for Gorn this week. I've already got a, a pretty decent midfield. Uh, I would prefer Steele in, which is definitely a consideration. But I think Gorn's easy run for the next six weeks. And when we kind of look at it, he's playing Lynch, Ryder, slash Marshall, Williams, Cherry, if he's even there, Darcy, Hickey, slash Laddams, Cameron from Collingwood. I think it's definitely considerable that he still continues his 120 to 130 average during that time frame. And he's still the number one ruck. Now, when you kind of look at uncertainty throughout all of the extra rucks and between you know, English and Proust and who knows what's going to happen over the next six weeks and who's going to stand up, I would feel better and I will sleep better at night knowing that I have at least gone a a good ruck that I can just kind of rely on in my team. Now, Chris, talk the opposites. Because <laughs> you're big on them. I've, I've spent the last few weeks pretty heavily against Gorn. And... um. Look, I will say I will say this. Right now, he's performing better than I thought he was three weeks ago, obviously. Um, he's still only averaging 118, though. So how I look at it is like this. Is he going to average more than Clayton Oliver? Is he going to average more than Jack Steele? Is he going to average more than Tuke Miller? Is he going to average more than Lockie Neal or Jack McRae? Probably not. I don't think he's, in my opinion, I don't think he's as good as the bona fide top six mids of the comp. Um, at very, at the very most, I think he's probably on par with them. So therefore, is it worth selling the farm to get a, a guy at 650k plus, who we know is probably going to regress back to about 600k or below at some point during the season? Um, at this point, when you, there is other value options, such as you know Oliver for six twenty k, such as um, Tuke, who's like five, I think what he's down to like five eighty k or something like that. There are other options that probably are better. Also, considering the fact that we do have Bruce, who is averaging as I think the fifth highest ruckman right now, and his points per minute are of the highest of all the ruckmen. Yeah, we'll um, take take Laddams out of that, and English is also a forward. So as far as those currently playing or will hold that role, uh, you know, Laddams aside, he's the third. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Sam Hayes, who is arguably one of the best rookies that we have right now and probably better than whoever you're running at M8. So the the question then comes into it, okay, so let's say you sell the farm for Gorn. Um is your overall team better or are you just one player better? So look at it holistically because, again, not being able to play Hayes on field has a has an impact further on in your field. So who else are you playing on the field? So that may be a 10, 20 points per game swing. Is Gorn now 10 points or 20 points per game better than whoever else you bring in? And he's going to be more expensive than anyone else you bring in. I like the word holistically there, Chris, because – <laughs> Makes you sound smart. Um, when I do agree, though. Now, talk about some of those specifics, though, because in this scenario, especially if you had a, a Horn Francis and a Rochelle and stuff like that on field, 
then Hayes is definitely better on field than both of those players, right? Yeah. So you could cash that in and definitely go Grundy to a premium. Hayes is then on field. You're then relying on Hayes on field compared to having these other kind of up and down premiums because we know that Rucks, particularly good tap Ruckman, which he is, hit out to advantage, can score well enough to be on field. And what you're saying is that him on field is better than a Rochelle. It's better than um, a Horn Francis or any of these other Ward, any of these other kind of up and down yeah, well, Please. I'll give you my specific example. So I, I I could still technically bring in Gorn this week. And the reason why I was looking at Gorn this week anyway is mainly the Jackson factor. So with Jackson obviously out with COVID this week, um, that means he's obviously going to be having you know, a considerable amount more ruck time against a, a you know, what three, four game rookie ruckman. Um, so the likelihood is that this week's one of the good weeks for Gorn. Like, let's be honest about it. He probably does go well. He's probably a VC option for most people for this week. Um, and so not running him is is a bit risky, right? But in my situation, how it, how it works out is I can hold Raul on field and play him instead of um, instead of Sherry at F6. So Rao versus Sherry on field. I can have Hayes on field instead of uh, who else is my other? Ward? No, it's no. – so I think it's – because I'll be trading oh, – so – oh, Roses. So it's it's Rao and Hayes versus Roses and Cherry. So by, do, by doing that, I get Clary instead of Gorn. So I'm looking at Clary plus Raul plus Hayes versus Gorn plus Cherry plus Roses on field. And so for me, the points on field, like Gorn would have to outscore um, Oliver by, I would say I'm estimating 20 to 30 points this week for me to lose that this week. And then, okay, so then I'm, so therefore let's take that out of the equation because I don't, um, there is a world where that happens. Like that, that could actually happen where Gorn, but in real, realistic terms, it's unlikely that Gorn outscores Oliver by 30 points on any given week, right? That's just unlikely. So then I'm waging, not this week, I'm waging the rest of the season as to what Gorn averages. And I'm still of the opinion that he's more likely than not about 110, 115 average for the season. I don't think that's changed. Nothing's changed my opinion to say that Gorn's going to be averaging over 120 this year. Um, so until that does, maybe you know, I get to the buyers. He's averaging 125 and I go, okay, I've got to bite the bullet now. I'll That's tell you fine. why he's going to average probably better than we thought. Him. We thought he'd be about 115. All the rucks shitting themselves mm-hmm. all year has pretty much inflated his average from a 115, what we considered, to a 120, 125. Basically because of the decimation of every club's ruck stocks or their premium rucks. I think it's easier for him now to get those extra few points per game because he is coming up against rookies. Now, I know someone on Twitter put out as well today saying, oh, Gorn's average with um, with Jackson in the side is actually higher than his average with Jackson out of the side. It's like, yes, okay, but how often does he play a guy that hasn't really rucked much before? Who's their third? That's a very th- – that, that, that stat is the worst stat I've ever seen tweeted in my life. And the reason <laughs> for that is, is purely, and, purely and simply – it was only after half, uh, like the, the buy last year, that Jackson's time on ground actually was inflated. 
So it's th- th- that's a completely irrelevant stat because Jackson's been playing for a lot longer than six months. So yeah, whoever tweeted that, thanks for yeah putting your two cents in. But maybe you know, sit <laughs> around that camp. Uh, um, the <laughs> come on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's funny because then he was also lost a little bit of depth about obviously you know Proust and that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Sure. Um. Yeah. I don't know. For, for for me, but the the one thing that I did find interesting, Chris, though, is that you were saying since last year, Gorn has lost his hurt factor on being able to go big. Now yeah. we consider that maybe this week he might be going big, which is kind of the appeal. I quite what is, like a nice. Yeah. And what's PC. big for Gorn these days? Because yeah, one fifty. Used yeah, to be so, 180, 200. Well, well, he's only scored over 140 twice since in the last 22 games. So one one game in every 11, he goes over 140. So, yeah, I mean, I, Jack Steele has a much higher return of 140 pluses. 150 plus. Steele went over 155 times last year, right. and he's yet he has yet to do it this year, which is why I was strongly... Grundy's kind of killed me because I was really going all out to get steel this week, paying the price that I need to because he looks good, but he is still yet to go 150 plus and he did it five times last year, one in every four games. Uh-huh. It is coming. He could actually be the top scoring midfielder and I really want him and it's kind of killing me right now. There's so many, there's so many mids that are averaging well. I mean, and what we don't have is a lot of like a lot of people don't have their midfield filled out. Like I, I'm in the fortunate position that after this week I'll have seven premium mids, but I would be focusing on doing that because the mid rookies are, are arguably the worst that we have. The forward rookies are pretty good. The, the ruck rookies are brilliant. Defensive rookies are eh, but they're you know they're holding up. Um, so the the midfield rookies, the ones we want to get off the field, and we want to be playing. We don't want to be playing Horn Francis anymore. We don't want to be playing Barry in there if we don't have to be. We want to be playing these guys that are averaging one one twenty plus, and there's so many of them to choose from. Like take a pick as your splattering of midfielders, and then throw Gorn in that conversation because that's essentially what Gorn is, right? Gorn's now not, he's not on his island, averaging one thirty five, one forty. He's in there with everybody else. So you stop thinking about Gorn as this one and only player that is going to get you there. Because points on a team is not about one player. Also remember, Tim English is still there. He's averaging more than than Gorn right now. He's going to be coming back into this the team next week. So if you don't have him, he's 80K cheaper. You can pick him up probably next week when he returns. So um, I'd be looking at running you know, this week. If you can, you run your Bruce and your, and your Hayes or whatever it may be, or your Wits or whatever you know, your second option is. And then look at be getting um, Tim English in next week. I'd much rather spend five seventy on a guy that's averaging more. And it, it, to me, that just makes a lot more sense. And I know obviously you can play English in the forward line, but again, our forward line rookies are pretty good. So yeah, just look at look at the ways that you can maximize your entire team, not just your individual one position. I think that's more important this year than ever. Yep. Again, you, you speak a lot of sense here, Chris. And in, in my mind, I'm like, you make sense, you make sense, you make sense. And then in my head, I'm thinking, keep Whitfield, keep Grundy, <laughs> and go go Max Gorn. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely, sticky scenario. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I do agree a lot what Chris is saying there. And if you can upgrade your mids for sure, and Sam Hayes can definitely do a job better than those rookies are anyway, if you're going to bring them on. <clears throat> or if you've got Bruce there, um, 
like if you've already got gone, it's not a problem and whatever. But yeah, if you're looking at that difference of going, well, do I want, um, you know, one of those rookie R2s, even if it was the case of, yeah, you, you were, Dixon was back and you just wanted to swing him for a week um, to bring in, as you said, English the following week or something like that. There's definitely some merit in that. Um, the only flip side to that is, as we've said, playing Max Lynch this week, two weeks time, Gorney does play West Coast as well, which will be Bailey Williams, um, who is definitely, is no good at all. Um, and then, yeah, even then he's got North. He's going to have COVID that. that week though. So it's fun. Well, that's my concern. That is a real <laughs> thing though, because well, apart from the fact that Gorn as the captain sees the coach a lot. And I mean, you know, in depth. They also spoke previously last year about their their charge towards the you know becoming premiers. They were smashing down beers at the pub together. So like, if there's someone who's going to get close to Goodwin, it is literally Max Gorn. And we talk about again other risk factors. Clayton Oliver, who a lot of people are trying to target this week, he's roommates with Jackson. He lives with Jackson. Now I'm not saying he maybe when the news came out, maybe he got out and he's like, well, you know, do all my rat tests and whatever. Maybe he's staying somewhere else but he still lives with someone who now has COVID. So he is also a risk factor. Um, so it's definitely one of those scenarios. Um, talking on the max score, and again, Chris, break even of 129. And I think you're saying he's like the second highest price point out of anybody. Yeah, there's there's um, 12 players averaging more than Max Gorn right now, and he's the second most expensive guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's just not va- he's not a value he's selection. He's not value. It's not and value. again, if you look at him as a guy that's just part of that 13 group, why are you getting him then? It doesn't make sense to be trading him in. You can get him later cheaper. Like I can guarantee you he's not going to be higher than 650k for the rest of the season. I think Steel's so, about the same price, isn't he? About that 650 Yeah, I think almost. Steel's the one that's more expensive, so Yeah. Um so yeah, but- I mean even yeah. Saints have won five out of their six games, and even they have a tougher run coming up. Um, when we kind of even have a look at the Saints period, so it was in. If obviously you know, Steel is definitely an absolute weapon so far. But um, you know, Port Adelaide, Melbourne after that, Geelong. So I can't see him getting as much effectiveness possibly in those games. But here's the thing: St Kilda though, they play Adelaide North coming up after that. Brisbane and Essendon who don't pay any attention to the midfield. Um, so definitely that North Melbourne game, Steel is going 150 plus and tearing them a new A-hole, 100%. Yeah, um, and there's something to be said about now your trade-in targets and looking towards the buys. I think we're at the point where who you trade in is now narrowed down to how your buy structure is and who, where are you short. So um, St Kilda, which buy do the, does St Kilda have? Just, uh, First buy. First buy. Yes. Just after North Melbourne, which is a problem because he's probably going to go. So if you right don't have him, you may look at just bringing him in in round thirteen. Then, yep. so I'm not necessarily sure Steele is the best trade in target if you don't have him, but he might be the only one left. Yep. So I think Benny, you're in a situation where, of the top six, he's the only one you don't have. So you're like, well, bite the bullet. And if he fits into your buy structure, then who cares? Um, but. I'd be trying to look at guys that are not necessarily having that first buy if you can and it, and targeting them for that buy. That's why um, like Maxi Gorn with the last buy period, Prusi has the first. I think even Hayes, I think, has the first. So, yeah. do you know what I mean? If and anyone on that, you don't want to ruck with that first buy either. Like it's it's pretty pretty bare at the moment. 
Yeah, and so I'm looking at, um, say, Sam Walsh as my last mid-upgrade because he's obviously the first buy. That's also why I'm not looking at trading in Doherty because he's got the first buy. So those two guys are guys that I'm looking at waiting on just purely out of, from a buy structure perspective. Um, and I'll probably fill out to D5 and M7, but I won't take it to eight until those buys because I'm going to need a couple of upgrade targets. That's so, why I need to get rid of Whitfield because he has the first buy. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I have Chris. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> uh, literally, I've got Hewitt. I've got Doherty. I've got Short and I've got Whitfield. I have to get rid of Whitfield. I have four defenders on that first buy. Yeah. have uh, And uh, Swiss, have you been looking much at buy yeah. structures and your team and who you're targeting because of your buy structures? Is that something you're already taking into consideration? Yeah. A lot of my considerations around that. Um, unfortunately, some of it doesn't work out the way you you want. But <sighs> yeah, I've got the the three guys, Doherty, Hewitt, Short, but I was saying on the um, my team reveal last week, because it's best 18, so for example, the defenders, we have six defenders on field. You would hope that you have the two rookies playing, so that covers two of those positions in the first week. If I've got a third out, that just counts towards that extra four players. Now, in a, a perfect world, you want more players than your 18, so you can remove your bottom score. But if I've got one defender not playing in there, that's fine because I'm still going to field 18 in the first week. So as you said, I'm not looking at bringing any other defenders from that round 12 buy-in. I've capped out at three. Same with the, like the, the midfield. Yeah, so it's a it's a 3-3-2 structure. In the perfect world, I would prefer more, um, well, less round 12s. But um, for the to have that on one line isn't going to phase me. But where my midfield and my forward line, yeah, I'm making sure, you know, at most it's two round 12 people in there. I'd also um, like to add to that for those people playing at home, it's it's also almost as important or maybe even more important, not necessarily the amount of players you have, but the amount of premiums you have. So how many premiums you can field is much different to how many players you have. If you've got 20 players there, but eight of them are rookies, well, you only really have 12 players plus these guys averaging 30, 40, 50, 60, or whatever they're going to get you in that buy period. Also, don't think of them as players that are potentially going to be playing those weeks because the rookies obviously typically get dropped over the buy periods. For whatever reason, I've held rookies so many times for buys, buy purposes. It comes to that week that I need them, like the only week that I needed them to play, and they get dropped. Every yep. single time. And they're 50K less than what you could have got rid of them for. Right. So try and maximize the amount of premiums per week as opposed to, and focus on that as opposed to amount of um, total players. Obviously, total players is important, but amount of premiums per week is much more important. And also, I've sort of taken account that dual positions that we have. So in the, currently in the midfield, I've only got steel missing from the first week. Um, Butters and Cornelio up forward. But with Hewitt, Doherty and Short, um, in a perfect world, I can loophole Hewitt into the midfield. And now I've got two mm-hmm. premiums missing there and hopefully I've got some cover off coming off that bench. But at worst, it's still best 18. I'm going to have enough players to cover that. So, you know, you got to look at those sort of dual positions and think, well, yeah, I might have three there, but hang on, I might have to swap one and then that just evens out the lines even better. The yeah, one totally rookie agree. consideration I'd probably say, boys, is Dacos with the last buy. He's probably one I'd be almost be keen to go last man standing 
based on the fact he'll go seven. Like he might even stagnate in cash. Hopefully he's got another 120 in him somewhere. But do you know what I mean? The last buy, he's a rookie who will be playing all the way up until, you know, touch wood, his buy. And it's kind of like, for me, he would be the last rookie standing where I'd like to get rid of him last. Yeah, I mean, I actually don't think I will have him. Uh, the only way that I'm going to have him is if I trade him to midfield because I'll probably be trading in round 13 him to Doherty. Um, he'll be my last defender upgrade. So um, unless I can get him to midfield somehow, which is a, a potential, I'm not counting that out, um, he'll likely be gone in round 13, which well, is surely one you have a, surely, Oh, okay, I was going to say, surely you might have a round 13 by player that you could use Dacos on field instead of an upgrade someone else, but... Anyway, to each is their own. I think the other issue is with that first buy is that some of those uh, heavily owned rookies are kind of in that mix, boys. You know, Bruce has that buy, Martin has the buy, uh, Hayes, Hobbs, Mead. You know, what I mean, there's quite a few others. Gibkus, Gibkus, yeah, exactly. So there's quite a few other of those um, rookies that also have that first buy. So I think it's definitely one to be cautious of bringing in any more first round buy players, uh, aka don't get stealing. Fair enough. <laughs> well, um, let's have a look at um, so trading. So we, we've obviously gone through you know, who we think is the top six in terms of midfield options. But in terms of value options, guys, is there anyone specifically that stands out to you right now? I've got my eye on one that I I, I really should have paid more attention to in my, my trading last week. So I, you guys are probably aware that I traded in Rory Laird last week. And Can so we... I watched the uh, the Adelaide game like ridiculously. And Ben Keys was outstanding. Now I know he only scored what six points more than what Rory Laird did, but Ben Keys was absolutely outstanding, and he was absolutely tearing the game apart. And he may be the one that benefits more from Sloan not being there than Laird. Which so, can we two, ra- can which we round off? Sorry, was, boys. No, Ben. Which so, one of you two was shitting on me when I said Ben Keys in the group chat about four weeks ago? Oh, me probably. probably. Yeah, it was probably Ben. It had to be Ben. It's me because Chris picked him up in draft leagues and I was like, shit pick. And I said that like months ago and I still stand by that, to be honest. Um, now, I would not pick up keys in a in a standard league, right? Dude, seventh highest averaging player right now. I, I don't give a fuck. He, he went on a heater last year. Nah, yeah. yeah. He went on a heater last year and he literally died in the ass. And literally, um, he won't even get the keys to the city. He's going to disappoint Adelaide that much. <laughs> I can tell you, you have now, failed this city. You have failed this city. Now, can we, can, before we move on, and I want to, I want to let you think about this first of all. Out of the players, as far as you know, whether you own them or not, right? Let's just say five players that you think in the midfield that you are looking to bring in, who you think can be definitely in that top eight bracket that you think people should be trying to make moves on. Now, I'm not talking about McRae because everyone, if they're not a you know, fucking idiot, they've got McRae. So take so out the top you, six is what about, you're saying. So take out the top what, six, which is what? Um, McRae, Steele, Oliver, uh, Cripps. No, not Cripps. Um, 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 Took. Uh, let me have a look at my team, guys, because I've got them all. Arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, okay, so think, well, think about, okay, just in general, five premium mids that you want to bring into your team. Um, rounding off, though, just going back quickly. So you're, we just want to quickly round off saying, if you have Grundy, it's basically Max Gorn, Bruce, Hayes, and that's it. Like that, we're not sideways in Grundy to a Wits who's now 530K or anything like that. So it's pretty much if you have Grundy, you either want to spend up and go for Gorn if you want to or I actually personally think Bruce. that 
number one is Proust if you don't have him. Yeah, so Proust if you don't have him, Hayes if you've already got Proust, uh, or Gorn if you want to go the upgrade. Gorn if it suits your team is 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 still a really good trading. Like he's yep. not going to be, he's not going, you're not going to get disappointed by Max Gorn. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you want to go for a midfielder, then it's like if you've got Proust, yeah. then it's like cool. Proust, if you've got Wits, you're fucking laughing. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. That's, I just wanted to round off to make sure that we were clear on that. Um, all right. How are we looking for five mids that you you really want in your team, but you don't have? Um, well, I've already got seven mids, so I only really <laughs> want one more. Um, and I'm kind of, unfortunately, I'm, I'm locked um, into. I Don't worry only... about buys. Talk about the people and well, what they're on average and who's good. I mean, the best available is probably Callum Mills. But I I, I, I mean, I, I had a thought about Callum Mills last week and I think now he's going to be completely out of my price range because I think he's going to be close to 700K in the next couple of weeks. Um, I have loved Callum Mills for a long time. His role's there. He uses the ball well. He does everything that you want out of a super coach player. But his role is sometimes not awesome for super coach um, in that he's the one that they go to obviously restrict other players when they need to shut down opposition mids. So that does reduce his scoring and he's, he's obviously for that reason, he does drop the odd 70, etc. But he's done that a couple of times already this season. He's still averaging 127. He's the third highest averaging midfielder. I mean, there's really not much you can say negatively Mate, about it. Watching Mules live, that was one of the best individual midfield games I've seen in about 10 years. Could have yeah. not played any better if he tried. I 74% thought about him, time on ground, though. That's yeah, I know. crazy. He did. He spent, especially in the last quarter, spent about 10 minutes there. We're watching him. We couldn't believe he was just sitting there when the game was there to be won. And then he came on and completely won the game for him. Any um, danger of the couple... Hawks getting anywhere near him, though? Because, no, honestly, they all. were... He dropped uh, two intercept marks as well in, in that I know. last game, so it, it could it have been like a lot. But it was like they kicked here. it fucking straight to him. I know. I was just like, time. I was like, um, do you not but, see the Sydney player standing in front of the contest and it just goes straight to Mills? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So after the North Geelong game, I'm in the back of the car as we're driving up to Launceston, and I'm looking at Mills because I was still trying to debate who I wanted to trade in. But then I saw 130 against North, 117 against West Coast. So two of the easiest games he's going to have out. And the loss that they had, and it was only a close loss against the Doggies, was a 70. Now, so mm-hmm. he's been dominating. Now, Geelong was a bit of a different story, but they dominated that game. But games of dominating, Mills is going through the roof. Um, and he's still got the Gold Coast Essendon coming up. But then they've also got, you know, Brisbane. They've got the Ds. They've got uh, Port Adelaide away. Uh, St. Kilda's in there. Uh, Frio. So they've actually got some tougher games coming up. Um, against the easier teams, it looks like, yeah, he's scoring really well. But I had that little bit of doubt. Okay, what are they going to do against the more difficult teams? Yeah, makes sense. I think I'm the same. Um, and I mean, unless you're getting him this week, good luck trying to get him over the next six, seven, right? So um, I don't know. What, what do you think, Ben? What do you think about uh, Callum Mills? Yeah, I think price point's a big thing. Middle buy, shares it with the dogs. Um, I think it's definitely a buy around that has a few uh, good plays in it. Uh, look, I, I think he's very Rory good. Laird, Rory Laird, mate, he's way better than Callum Mills, right? I think more. No, I think his role is probably more consistent, though. Do you know what I mean? Like Mills has been very good, but Mills, yeah, you know, like when he played Dangerfield and was accountable, he still killed and got like a hundred and forty super coach. But then he kind of does fluctuate between that ninety to a you know one forty kind of range, and this was just absolutely sensational. It kind of reminds me of 
you know, when you had, um, you know, McRae back in the day, he was, you know, forward mid, everyone kind of disregarded him. He went a 108 point something average. Chris picked him up late in the draft and it was like, oh, he's a four, oh, he's a midfielder only now. So everyone just kind of disregards him. He was a defender mid, midfield only. Everyone's like, oh, no, he's just a midfielder only now. And then he kind of comes into his own. So it's, it would not surprise me if he just keeps banging out these scores and hurts people because everyone kind of just underestimated him or disregarded him. Um, for me, though, I think, yeah, price point it has to be key around the buys. You know, it's you want premium output. You don't want to be spending an extra fifty, seventy, a hundred thousand dollars to get one player and end up short on the field. Yeah, um, I suppose. So, moving on to the next one, I, I, I don't actually have this guy rated as high for a few reasons. Buy is one of them, but I've been looking at Andrew Brayshaw, and people are real hot on him, but. I'm going to take out his 189 and read you these other scores. 127, 96, 95, 132, 104. That's just Brayshaw from last year. Wrong. And I'll tell you why, Chris, because <laughs> I, lo- I love proving you wrong more than anything. Last year when he got tagged, he got like 50s and 60s. He got tagged in both of those sub-100 games. And for me, it actually shows progression in him working through a tag productively and still getting you near a hundred. So for still me, averaging a hundred and seven for the season. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter if he's progressing because he's working through a tag and getting a, getting a soft Yeah, time. But you can't just take out his he's high scores. He's just going to keep getting tagged. You can't take out his high scores and get his two tag games. When five comes back in, that's probably another issue. When five comes back in is five midfield. Is he forward? Does I'm he ha- free up yeah. Brayshaw? Look there. All I'm saying is, Huge question marks. Five out of his six games are just the uh, average at best. Hey, hey, Chris, how many of their six have they won? Frio. <laughs> I don't know. I, can't, I don't remember. I don't want to actually know about it. The thing with but, Brayshaw, after this yeah. week, uh, they played North Melbourne, Gold Coast, Collingwood on the run. Um, then they have Melbourne, uh, Brisbane. But those buy, that buy, last bye game is Hawthorne, who just let friggin' Mills do whatever he wants. So he's got probably three or four of the softer games coming up. Um, and that, so remember when Hawks tagged him yeah. last year, though, they tagged Brayshaw last yeah, year, with which is so weird. Yeah. yeah. But he's not even playing right now. So can't get no. a game. <laughs> the Warple was there on the weekend. He just oh, didn't he? notice him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Did nothing, mate. No. If, if there's one That's... guy, I've been saying this to a few people. If there's one guy that should be on the trade target next year, or at the end of the year, it's got to be Warple. Because he does not have a spot anywhere near that Hawthorne midfielder, midfield, oh, and he needs dude, to go play midfield somewhere. He's averaging he 59.2, mate. Mate, <laughs> literally, he, he, he hasn't played well enough. You know, sometimes you're going to hold your head up high, right? He can't even stand up straight. He's that warpled. <laughs> We've been waiting for that one all week. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, so yeah, look, I, th- I think there's question marks over Brayshaw. I just wanted to bring him up as an option. Um, the one that I'm probably looking at again, it's more by structure for me is, um, is Sam Walsh. Um, and look, obviously I, I, I know there's a few things going against him right now. So the first is obviously he's come back from an ankle injury. He's a runner. Yeah. He's, his biggest strength is, and his his one wood is his ability to just stretch the ground and outrun everybody else and accumulate the football. Now, I'm not sure how much that's been impacted. I watched him the other day and I thought, wow, he's still really, really good. Um, 
and his scoring hasn't really dipped, but it's only, it's, you know, what 109 average over the first few games. I know that he was a bit lighter in his first comeback game and he started to, to hit the ground running. Obviously the other thing with, um, with the, with the blues is that they've got 1800 midfielders and they were all scoring really, really well. You've also got Doherty scoring well. You've got Adam Saad scoring well. Even Williams is scoring well. They have so many good scorers in their team. It's like, okay, well, how do we differentiate here? How we is it, is it like a dog situation where you have you know nine, ten guys that are all really good scorers, or is it just right now they're going through a good patch and it's gonna it's gonna fade? So it wasn't um, an issue because they were winning. They've lost two out of their last three. The dogs were killing it, and it wasn't an issue because they were winning games. Now you look Bontepelli not scoring well, McRae not scoring well. Do you know what I mean when they're not winning games, they used to still tear it up, and they still, you know, Dunkley this time went off the leash. Um, I think Carlton will bounce back. However, I think they probably show a bit more promise. I kind of worry for the dogs a little bit, boys. Bontempelli was on my like literally on my hot list on my radar. Now he's playing forward. Surely they can't keep playing him forward. Um, for me, for Walsh as well. Do you know what I mean it's that <clears throat> the scenario where with the looking at the runner, I think. He's definitely got one when they, if they start to actually come back and win games and uh, start to play well, I think there's definitely room in for someone like Walsh. That thing is yeah. for Supercoach finals. Um, so round 19, he plays GWS. Um, so round 20 plays Adelaide, but then 21 and 22, it's Brisbane and Melbourne. So if you're looking at him from a league perspective, it's not a greatest of picks, yeah. um, but he just suits my buy structure. So, um, I don't know if I'm handicapped into it or I can work something else out or, um, yeah, but he's what I'm looking at. doesn't mean I'm committed 100% to taking him in, um, but we'll see. What, what are the other – who else has the buy? Well, that, I'll, um, I'll, give, that I'll give you one for – I think it's the same buy, um, and it's uh, Zachy Merritt. Yes. Who, uh, oh, just it, just you know, decided to come back, back early and score and 123. They <laughs> had like 35 disposals. <laughs> Like, how good is this guy? Like, he's meant to be out for seven, eight weeks and just mm-hmm. rolls back in and just picks up business where, where he was. And that's what his break even was. Like, he yeah. lost, what did he lose? Like, 4,000K. And he's like... Yeah, not enough. It, it just not, lost nothing. Um, not enough. So, he's... Hey, um, it, Yeah, and we talk about that first final and they play North Melbourne. But, um, yeah, he, they've got some really good games coming out of their, their bye with, uh, I think, West Coast in there, the Suns. Um, as I said, North Melbourne, uh, Port Adelaide. So, yeah, Merritt just does what he wants and that. And he, we know he's just been one of those premium guys, top sort of eight to ten for the last two, three years. Um, so it's definitely something if I guess a lot of people be looking more the Walsh or one of the dogs, um, and he's just going to have no ownership about him and that one percent at the moment. Oh, um, he's so he's huge, and he always finishes strong as well. Always does. Um, Always does. So for me, boys, it's literally Steele is my number one, obviously. If I didn't have Clayton Oliver, he would be probably top of my list. Um, then I've got Laird, Walsh, Merritt, Brayshaw, Petrarca, and Petrarca mainly on price point. Yeah, what's uh, happening with is... Petrarca, boys? Let's, let's go through that. Because uh, So rumor had it that he's had a, got a bit of a knee niggle, which is the problem. And I'm not sure how accurate that is. So don't shoot me if it's It was incorrect. a couple of weeks ago, I think. He, and he, I think... Even the week before that, maybe he said coming off a short break, he had some strapping on his knee and everyone's like, oh, you got, hey, bro, you got strapping on your knee? And, uh, hey, bro, he, uh, he, you know, he's saying six-day break, sometimes he gets a little bit of swelling because obviously he had an ACL. 
Um, but I think he did cop a knee, like a bit of a knock in the knee or a knee issue because he left training uh, two weeks ago. So he still played the last two games. Um, hasn't played, like did, I think, got a, a 116 or did fairly well a couple of weeks ago. The week just gone, didn't do as well. But he still had like 25 touches against Richmond. But maybe Richmond's pressure was a little bit higher, so he wasn't as impactful. Um, but their run coming up as well, I'm at 550K or whatever he is, I think he's still extremely attractive when you pit him with, you know, I think Heaney's probably about, what, 540K or, you know, 535 or whatever he is. Petrarca at 550K, I think he could do a lot worse. And, he, and they have the last buy, Swiss. Yeah, yeah. And, like, bringing in Petrarca, even knowing that knowledge last week, a little bit disappointed because I should have just gone up for Oliver, but I couldn't get over that fucking break even that he managed to still – get but Petrarca was getting in the the right positions gave away a 50 started a bit slow um and the ball was just you know Clary was just magnet like a magnet but when he worked and worked into the game from the second quarter onwards the problem um and I think there was a couple of situations there where the game um to sort of get that blow that margin out Petrarca was you know really vital as he always is um, so we know what he can do. And yeah, as we've talked about that draw Hawthorne Saints, West Coast oh, North. Like, so good. It, it Problem is he can't play the Bulldogs every week, that. right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is something of that. So um, yeah, he's got a few previous massive scores against Hawthorne. Um, and yeah, we know like the Roos and West Coast at the moment aren't offering much. So uh, yeah, no, I, I really like him. He's got Bulldogs. Uh, what's that? The first buy under the first final for leagues. Yeah. So he just loves one. So <laughs> I kind of don't mind, mind that situation of having track. In yeah. There, I, look, I mean, we, I just we look know at what... his scoring and I go like, okay, uh, after round one, 129, 98, 85, 116, 87. Like, it's just so schmeth. Like, it's what he does, he's got but break unfortunately, even of, like, yeah, he, he's, he's brought up his bottom end. So it's more like a 90 now and that when he drops under. But the other problem is he will come out and score a one sixty and a one seventy, and that yeah, and that's just him. if if you he's the sort of guy that's going to win you or lose you a leap just because the way he plays. But as a person over you know multiple weeks, it'll average out, and it's you know it's fine for your overall because you know you're you're picking a guy who you know is going to go like maybe one fifteen, one twenty, and just he's going to throw eighties with one hundred and seventy. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Look at. But the, it's basically price point now. Price point and last buy. Yeah, that's, like one one nineteen one one nineteen is his break even. So you can afford to not pick him up. But oh, he's gonna hurt me. I know. I know what's gonna happen. I can see it already. I can. It's written on the wall. I'm not gonna pick him up because his break even's like this and like whatever. And then I'm gonna wait like two more weeks, and his break even's gonna be like one forty. I'm definitely not gonna pick him up. And then he's going to explode and go 165 or 170. <laughs> yeah, but he won't even go that much higher. Even if he goes a 130 or something, he's not yeah, going up then much you're not, cash. You can't get that score again. You know, yeah, that was the be... problem. No, you can't, with me. Yeah. And that, which was really annoyed that I didn't go that, but I was just like 170 break even, like 172, I think it was. I'm like, well, even at best, I'm thinking Oliver goes probably 140 and Petrarca, who had a break even of 130, I think, well, at worst, he's probably going 100, 110 against us. Of course, hmm. Clary just kept frigging finding the buddy ball. Um, he but did. Yeah, that's the thing. Against especially some of these weaker teams, very easy for track to get forward and, and kick goals. Like North Melbourne, they had no pressure at all at Ge- against Geelong. There was a couple goals, and they just walked it in. Like, what's Petrarca going to do standing on his own 30 metres in the clear? Like, he'll kick three or four against them, and that without yeah. even trying. 
So I, and the I Hawks think you can was, wait. You can wait on the Hawks. I think that you know the Hawks do leak a couple, but I think they'll be in for the fight. They're kind of a little bit up and down at the moment. Hawks and Saints, I think, will show a little bit of fight. But uh, I think, and by that point, Petrarca will bottom out. And I think you have to get on him at least before West Coast and North because I think there's some big scores coming there. Hmm. For sure. And he'll be cheap, super cheap too. Like if you get him at 530 or 520K, similar last year. When you have a look at Petrarca last year, he bottomed right out and then he finished absolutely completely strong. When you have a look at the back end of the year, I think they had um, – 123, 173, 125, 92, 148, 111, 126, 85. He went absolutely big after he bottomed out at 525K. Yeah. It's the same thing. Now, uh, pivoting, I guess, um, to defenders, I would just like to say, first of all, we probably don't need to spend too much time defenders and, and forwards because I think this week either you're, you're, you're bringing in a ruck or you're bringing yep. in a midfielder. I think that's most most teams. But moving forward, and I want to ask Swizz this specifically, Nick Voston. Now, obviously he had a big score on the weekend. He's been taking a few kickouts, uh, which is really annoying me because Short needs to be taking 100% kickouts. Um so his role is definitely better for Supercoach scoring. Now, is it good enough at his price to warrant a trade-in considering he's 460K? He's just come up for 155. He obviously still takes intercept marks um, and he does float off as well. He's also accountable. So he does get those pressure acts and spoil points and things like that. So is he the guy that could potentially break into that top 10 this year? No. Um, I want to say yes. I'd love to because he's getting a lot, Thank of, fuck. <laughs> a lot of the ball and he's a good price. I tried you know, to pop him think, up for you, Swiss. I, right? <laughs> I, know, I think he can be around the mark, but what did the D's score on the weekend? Like 22 behinds or something ridiculous. Mm. All that was happening was Vlaston plays on, kicks it short to Gipkus, Gipkus kicks it the short. And that was the entire day and it happened 20 freaking times in a row. Like realistically, Melbourne should have smashed us if they kicked straight. Teams aren't going to kick 20-odd behinds against us each week. Now, I think Velocity can still go 90 to 95. I think, like, if you've got him in a draft, you're, you're laughing because I think he's that guy. I do have him in a the, draft too. Yeah, so fantastic, <laughs> mate. The problem is when you look at the defenders that we've got, and that's not before we talk about, like, the Stewarts or even Pendles, who's now got defender status, Zorko, you know, those sort of guys. Is he going to match them who are going to probably go 105 And that? No, like... I think, yeah, Velocity's going to be solid. We're going to see more to ball down there. He could even get 100. And, like, it wouldn't surprise me if at the end of the season we go, I've lost him on 100. But I don't Did think Did you say Zorko? Yeah. Zorko. Oh, you're kidding. That ruined it for me. <laughs> oh. I prefer my roadcaster ruining my sound oh. effects. That's what did you do? Uh, that was terrible. That was. I know. It, it, I have Don't it in butt there. in if you're not going to deliver the goods. <laughs> oh, Chris you know heard it earlier. Ben, One in two. It's like 50% ben. of the time it works every time. You, you know what you need to do, buddy? Be prepared. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm using the Zencaster audio system because you guys can't hear the sound bites <laughs> I've got on the, on the Roadcaster Pro, which never fucks up, right? One out of every two of these sound effects on the Zencaster has been fucking up and distorting. Hey, Benny boy. Talks to you, mate. Hope you have a good year with Supercoach. Hopefully you pick me up. Hopefully I can get a couple of scores for you as well. 
That's what oh. I was trying to. I was trying to back you up, Swizz. I was like the Zorko, the great <laughs> Zork. Blessed. Yeah, that, so that that's why because I've seen a lot of discussion about Boston, and then and as I said, he's uh he's so he's great price. Um, he's solid for a ninety five, but like if I had the choice between paying extra, paying up the extra what eighty grand to get the Pendles, I'm taking Pendles every day of the week. Um, at yeah, least Pendles is going to go in the midfield when you when you need to win the game. Um, am I going to go Zorko? I mean, of course. And that so, but if you're really strapped for cash, and that, and you're kind of looking like, well, what what other option do I have? It's not a terrible option. It's not terrible, but at the same terrible. time, it's it's not terrible. But I think it's, it's not, terrible. It's it's one of those things. that's not going to be, you know, one of the top guys. Well, Chris, no, yep, you're not going to call him out. What? That's he pulled terrible. a Benny. It's just it's one of those things. You just say it's just one of those. I wasn't. Even <laughs> he said it's things. just one of those things. Wait, and he also. Do you know what he also said earlier? He said what, merit. What? He said it's got merit. <laughs> oh. You've been spending way too much time with us, Liz. Way too much time. <laughs> um, now, uh, the other one that I'm heavily looking at, um, a little bit left of field, but not really that left field. Bailey Dale, his scoring pattern has gone through the roof, um, and I love it. Um, and Is it because they're losing? One, yeah, and potentially it is, but it's one of the most consistent scoring patterns of from a defender. Um, so if you have a look at his scores, um, so so far this year, he's gone 116, 116, 86, 90, 115, 95, 121. And it's just that, you know, no huge games, no small games, just all in that pocket, all fits really nicely into a snug little form. And it has a great buy as well. I really like Bailey Dale as a trading option. Um if you're looking at, say, your D5, D6 area, I think you can go a lot worse. He's only 520K. He's one of the best value guys in that range as well. So, um, yeah, don't mind a little bit of Bailey Dale there, guys. Yeah, yeah. I quite like the consistency because the fact that he's, you know, like good base hasn't really killed you on the ceiling. And we know, I think he has gone fairly high previously, but that's why his price point is quite good. He's averaging 103.8. So when you look at... Some of these other players, uh, the price point is definitely there. Um, don't mind that, Chris. I was actually pretty big on him in the preseason, but it's just one of those ones where, do you know what I mean? Just didn't quite fit, but I quite um, quite rate that, actually. No, the, um, what about Lloyd? Can we speak about Lloyd too, Swiss? Sorry, you go first. Yeah, no, actually, I was going to throw up two other names before we throw up Lloyd, and that the one that you guys hate hearing, but Dan Houston. Um, yeah, yeah. I, he's not. He's scoring all right. I've just he does. Burnt he by just him. continues to score, and he's got the right role at the moment, which is it's frustrating me because I don't want to even think about the guy. But it's um, you know, his worst games are like ninety. So yep. yeah, no, he he's definitely got to be considered as an option because he's just yeah playing that wing wing role, and um, yeah, they're they're looking for him all the time. So um, you know, he's going to be up there around the mark. The other one that Every year, this guy seems to do it, and it's Stephen May. And I know yeah. we don't like talking about key defenders, but if there's one, there's probably no better, maybe Jeremy Howe still better intercept marker in the game than Stephen May. And that, and he just looks so good. And it's that whole thing we talk about how can Melbourne just keep scoring points? Well, if they're going to go 20 and 2 this year, he's going to keep racking them up. And he's last, like, he had the 76 against the Bulldogs, but then since then, he's gone 108, 114, 111, 131, and 99. Like it's just ridiculous numbers for a key defender. It's kind of like McGovern too. Mm. McGovern West Coast, except yeah. he, A, he's in a good side, and B, he literally gets free reign to not even have an opponent. 
he just zones off and cool. I'll just be here helping you boys out. No one pays any attention to me. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely a little bit underrated. But for me, I think if a team actually puts someone on him, all of a sudden, you know, he might not get quite as high of a ceiling, Chris. So I, I'd made, I think- sorry, I'd made those, that was it two years ago when he had that ridiculous run and that where he went like 115, 110, 149. And I think he had like a couple of other 120s in there. So it's definitely something to consider. So you go, Chris. Yeah, I definitely like Stephen May. My only question at the moment is he is getting a monopoly on the kickouts right now. So does that change when uh, we get back uh, Salem, who will obviously be taking some of those? So um, I don't think that affects him too much, though. Like, Let's say, I mean, he's averaging 106 right now. He probably averages somewhere between 100 to 105, regardless. Like, it's not going to be that much of a difference, but I think it does impact his, you know, top end ceiling, and he's 550k right now. So I'm not sure if you want to be spending that on, say, your D6. Um, but yeah, I, and I, I would hazard a guess that most, you know, Docker is still only in 13.9 percent of teams, which is just a joke. People are it going to be good. scrambling to get him in by the end of the first buy. So he's got to be the, the number one. If he continues his form up until that buy, it's probably going to be 600K and you're just going to have to pay up for him. So uh, Shout out as well to Kata. Boys um, talking about Houston. Houston tempts me this time of year every season. Uh, <laughs> he reckons he's on the never again list um, <laughs> and he's used a few expletives in there as Kata loves to do. But shout out to you, mate. Uh, it's one of those ones. Now, Brisbane, he absolutely tore up because... <laughs> It's just one of those ones, is it? One of those things that, yeah, I'm trying to round off into the next one. Brisbane paid him zero attention going forward. He had a few games actually plateaued a little bit. West Coast would be the exact same thing. Houston is damaging forward of center. If you pay him no regard, he actually impacts the scoreboard and he damages you if you don't put any pressure on. So Brisbane, let him do whatever he wanted. Killed it in the back half, pushed up forward of center, got in towards, had some shots from 50 and nailed them and is really damaging. And it's kind of one of those ones where you, one of those things, um, after a few games, teams actually go, oh shit, this person's pretty damaging. This person's damaging. It's the old uh, St. Kilda player. I did it on purpose, Chris. Yeah, nuffy. Um, <laughs> but after a few games, teams, teams start to recognize, oh crap, this person's actually a damaging player and they put more time into them. Houston is that damaging player. And if you just let him run forward without any regard, he's someone that hurts you. And I'm trying to think of who's the bloody St. Kilda player. Bloody, uh, can't think of it. Um, basically, anyway, so I expect them to put more time into Houston. I know he's doing well. Last year we said, hey, Houston's going great guns. And then he averaged like 70 for the rest of the year. So I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. That was long-winded. Um <laughs> Now, just on, on Lloyd, guys, I'm completely off Lloyd. Uh, you couldn't pay me enough money to get onto Lloyd right now. I know he's got a – he actually has a buy that suits my trading targets for defense, and I will not be touching him at all. He, Explain. He's just not racking up the ball like they used to. They're moving the ball differently. They're not switching. Then, like they're, They are switching the ball when it's on, but they're not specifically looking to get it constantly into Lloyd's hands like they have for the last three years in a row. Um, they have more, they're more, more reliable with their other kicks out of defense. So, so, you know, there's no reliance on having to always go to him. I mean, even Paddy McCartan, he's a great field kick. He doesn't need to just pass it to Lloyd in order to get, exit the ball out of the 50. Um, that reliance on having to always go to Lloyd 
is diminished, which means he's not getting the impact that he has over the last few years. And yes, he still gets his points from kickouts. Um, and you know, that w- will return to a mean, but that is being shared now as well. So it's just not the kicker to Lloyd thing that he said at the start of the season and we were all sucking into. It's kind of a lie. <laughs> it's, I don't so, think it's there anymore. No, let me support you here. And I think it's completely accurate. Whereas before it was Lloyd was killing it by numbers. Do you know what I mean? And he racked it up that much. That's why his score was absolutely elite. When we have a look at his average disposals this year, it's 25.2. And it's no mean feat. It's definitely serviceable. It's his lowest disposal numbers since 2016. And we're including 2021, um, sorry, 2020 during the COVID year when he had 25.8 in a shortened game. So Mm. last year he had basically 28, so three disposals more, right? So there's a few automatically there. He had uh, 30 in 2019, 30 disposals a game. Um, So it's pretty much, and even back in 2018, he had 28 disposals a game. So pretty much he is at least three to five possessions per game lower than he has previously. And that's the difference between him going 105, 108, and getting like a 95 range. Uh, he is now an okay pick. He'll go, he hasn't gone big yet. He's got, you know, some hundreds, some, you know, some nineties and whatever, averaging like 95. He's no longer a must-have, which is kind of painful, and he's getting at that price where it's kind of tempting for people to jump on. Swiss? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't have much to add to that, actually, to be completely honest. Okay. Chris? Um, Yeah, I I would also uh, just say that there are a lot of defensive options this year. So don't bother with a guy averaging 95 because – What's he rated in a number of defenders above him in terms of average right now? Um, there would be, let's have a look. A lot. He's, he is the, oh, mate, I'm still scrolling. Well, uh, while you're scrolling, oh, okay, I will add 23rd, yeah, 23rd ranked defender right now. The, the reason is, like, you're taking the Blake, Blakely and McInerney factor more and more yeah. now. And that, like, on the weekend, that was, that was the thing. McInerney was setting up one side, Blakely the other. And they were doing intercept marking. They're good enough to get the do the kicking out themselves, or um, you know, if you're looking for that short chip, um, they they get it. And the other guy that actually got down the defence on the weekend was being an absolute seagull. Was was Heaney? Couldn't believe it, the amount of times I just saw him bob up and take an intercept mark or get a cheap kick down the back line. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Then it's not about oh, we've got to keep to Lloyd every time. It's there's so many other options. Well, if there's no chips in the forward line, the seagulls go hunting. That's right. That's um, exactly what it is. <laughs> the issue is, is that if you're going slow and sideways and racking up the ball, then Lloyd's your man. He will chip and, and rack it up and get a handball backwards and get a, a backwards kick. You know, hey, hey, no worries. We're going, oh, slow down the line. No worries. Kick it to me and we'll try and like switch it and whatever have you. Whereas Blakey and McInerney have got absolute pace. So if they get the ball, they're not stopping and kicking it backwards to Lloyd to try and reset. Go. They yep. go. They take it on. When you have two dynamic players that can take it on and actually look dynamic, Lloyd is now irrelevant. Lloyd has it, and he can then kick it to one of these other players to take it on. He is no longer the accumulator. And it's not um, just him. They've got like Guys like Goulden take the ball, the game on. Oh, like, that's why and, the Swans were able to – Like It's funny because I got home – 
and I must have chucked on the TV and they had the replay of the game on. So it's always different. You pick up things on TV that you don't see at the game. But there were about, I think it was 12 minutes left in the match. The ball's up in the, the forward pocket for Hawthorne. And at that point, the Hawks still led by eight, eight points. What they kick after that, like seven or eight goals oh. in the drop the Swans? It's just because they took no, the game. No, nine. They just, yeah, well, and I think they'd already kicked one in that quarter. No, no, Hawks so, kicked the first. Yeah. They were behind. I, I, I messaged a couple of Hawks mates because I think they were behind by nine going into the last, and then they had kicked nine straight on them after the Hawks kicked the first or something. Yeah, it was, so, yeah ridiculous. So, and because of that, the way that pot they play, and take the game on and and a couple of the kicks like that Mills kick. My mate was like, "There's no way Mills meant to do that," but they, they absolutely like you see in the replay, his eyes dart across the wing and that. And there was another kick inside the forward fifty, so they were not only willing to take the game on through pace, but some of the kicks that they're willing to try. And then if that doesn't um, work out, well, they just um, build a wall there with those sort of guys with Blakey and um and McInerney and and even Laddams there as well, you know. So. It's it's exciting to watch, but it's not that good for old Jake Lloyd. Do you know why um his eyes were darting, Swizz? Because okay, he had he had leather poisoning, mate. <laughs> um, can I can I can I shout out? Excuse me, the puns are not great. If you say, "Oh, here we go," big fucking wind up. <laughs> um, shout out to Zane as well. I don't think Zane gets enough credit now. Shout out, big time. I'd, I'd like to say long time follower, but we we follow Zane. Um, at the start of this year, we're like, oh, I was like Lloyd, you know, top two, Lloyd's killing it. Some people had him top one and Zane was there going, nah, mate, like Blakely's the guy this year and, you know, Blakely, McInerney and this, that and the other and Lloyd's not as good. And I don't think we gave him enough credit, boys. I just want to shout out Zane because after watching Blakely kill it and McInerney's dash, I think Lloyd is definitely an issue. So shout out Zane. Yeah, it was a good call. Agreed. Um, I'm saying that I had I had short and crisp one and two. I think you guys go back through your top I had 10 Whitfield one. I had right. Whitfield number oh, one. Hey, and we should recall that because we met reply that because remember what I was saying to you on the group chat when one. I heard that when I was driving back from Benigo. Uh, where did I have Whitfield? Not in my top eight. And you were like shitting on me all fucking time. How can you not have fucking Whitfield in your top eight? Where's Whitfield, Swiss? Well, I'll tell you where Whitfield is out of my fucking <laughs> team. <laughs> Uh, he's still oh, in Ben's team though he, <laughs> Surely you're getting rid of him hang, this week Hang on, hang surely, on, hang on. I'm going to screenshot that and put that up on how? our Twitter yeah, Like you, the, you the shit it. you gave me You find it, throw it on Twitter Just hang imagine on, just, just say, imagine what rank you'd be if you didn't have Whiff oh, Excuse me Can I just say, how am I getting shat on by keeping a premium more Premium? Then I got shat on for trading at Josh Kelly last year. Dude, How am I copying more He's E10 at best. Don't call him premium, all right? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You're welcome. All right, now we're going to the forward line, guys. Um, so Parker show. Look, yeah, obviously we. Um, there's not really much point in talking too much about forwards. The only real value forward right now is still Dugowie and uh, and Parker. But, I mean, Dugowie pulled out of 76 last week and uh, less than memorable performance, and that's pretty much to go up and down, up and down, up and down. All forwards are going to have this. Parker looked very, very good um, for half the game and then looked very, very nowhere parked in the forward line. Um, So he's still definitely um, playing that a little bit too much forward right now. However, Papley is due back this week, so keep an eye on him. He's a... um, 
they said it was a test last week and they just wanted to give him the extra week. So he should be playing this week. Now they have not said whether or not that will be AFL or VFL, but I mean, you wouldn't play him in VFL, surely. But it's Tom Papley. It is also classic Parker. I mean, when we have a look at, you know, in the first 10 rounds last year, he had, I think, five. So half of those games under 100. Do you know what I mean? With a 69 mm. and an 83 and a few things splashed in there. Now, after the bye, right, so uh, he had, a, what, 116.95, which was his lowest score, 132, 128, 122, 111, 108, 148, and 110. It's the, the merit syndrome all over again. He is someone, Parker is someone that generally goes bigger in the back end of the year. He and also has, price, he, perp- he has, he goes on runs Huge. and you want to be on it. I can tell you right now from owning Parker multiple years previously, he has these purple patches where he absolutely kills it for say six, seven rounds. And then he goes quiet again. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but he just seems to have those, those weeks where he just goes bang. So hoping that comes up. I mean, he's due for some fourth quarter Heaney points at some point, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) Maybe kick it to Parker in the forward line, maybe. Um, but yeah, uh, I, 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 again, I'm, um, I bet last week that on myself that um, Luke Parker will out average uh, Isaac Heaney for the rest of the year. And I'm currently 19 points up on that bet. So I'll take that and uh, run to the next round and see how we go. What's that from? I just lost a bet to myself. To myself. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that has to be Super Troopers. Um, outside of that, uh, the one that um, really popped up this week was Tom Liberatore, who's now averaging a flat 100 after 137. He's now the seventh highest averaging forward if you and the fifth highest if you take out Laddams and Dusty Martin. Um, Laddams, obviously, uh, there's also news that Hickey is back this week. So anyone that was looking at Laddams as a potential downgrade or sideways trade or whatever that may be, uh, Hickey has come back early from his injury and he's a test for this week. He, and at the very least, he's coming back next week. So I would cut Laddams off. I would not touch him. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, Libertori is an interesting one. I think Swiss has a bit of a better insight on that one. Um, but, you know, I think with Hunter out and that kind of thing, it could easily push one of those other midfielders outside and an easy replacement with a Libertori into the guts. Um, I don't know. How did you boys see it? Yeah, mate. We always talked about this with the dogs and that. They've got so many options there. Libba, like, it, it's one of those, who's the better forward? We know Libba's not a great forward. So you're going to want to put him in that midfield. Um, Trelaw kind of li- links up uh, and, and can go in there and be explosive, but he can also get forward. Bont's the best forward of the lot. So that's why they're putting him there, even though he would be the best midfielder. But it's, it's what we talk about, like on Supercoach, like you were saying before about sort of uh, like Hayes, for example, scores 80 as a rookie and that that's better than your other rookie. So they look at it and go, yeah, Bont could be our best midfielder. But then all of a sudden we're going to Libra in the forward line. It makes more sense for the team point of view of having like your third best midfielder in there and let Bont, who's still going to be one of your best forwards. Um, Bailey Smith still goes through there. Um, and then, but he played a little bit more outside this week, as we talked about with Lucky Hunter um, being there. So, yeah, it's just trying to get the best mix for them. Um, and again, the problem is they lost on the weekend. Now I think they're going to bounce back and bounce back hard against the Bombers this week. Uh, so, but if they were to go down, well, then maybe he throws the magnets around because, yeah, they need to, you know, obviously win and keep winning 
So it'll be a really interesting watch this week because, yeah, if they go, say, liver this week and bump forward and it doesn't work, well, you could see there could be massive changes. And there might be where we were saying we don't want to jump on a bond, for example. Um, then we might not have no choice because the dogs will, yeah, they have to get back to the, their winning ways. Um, I agree with you on a lot of points. I suppose the other thing is we don't really need another forward right guys right now. So, um, Bond forward would be great. Well, English coming back obviously is a um, is another one we got to look out for in the next couple of weeks. So you're probably only selecting say one more forward, maybe two. I mean, uh, obviously Brody's still averaging what he's averaging. No one's going to trade out Canelio when he's averaging what he's averaging. There's just no point. So. Um, looking at maybe two options in absolute most. So that's why we're probably not touching too much on the forwards. But that brings me to my next thing. So I think that McRae, after his or he's had two down games this um, this year so far, um, Jack McRae, and he the first one he bounced back with an absolute force. Um, are we looking at him as a captain option this week, guys? Or what are your plans so far with your vice-captain captain? So where's you go? Yeah, my um, what did I have on here as I'm looking through it? Uh, currently, I've got Gorn into McRae. Okay, I think that's what most people will do. Um, yeah, I think so. I'm considering Gorn into Crips because I haven't been burnt by Crips yet, and I know some people went captain with him before, but I think North Melbourne can't stop him this week. I've thought about that, and that's actually why I'm looking at him as my VC because I don't have Gorn. That's so... a good VC. I'm VCing Crips into McRae because I think that like um, if Gorn doesn't fire for whatever reason or he just goes a soft ton or something like that, everyone will have the C on McRae. And so I think McRae's kind of got to be in your plans um, regardless. And yeah, so so Crips, you know, if he goes 150, 160, he's got the chance against North. I mean, he could have been that last week. If, that, if, that, if they win last week, that's not 139. That's way closer to 160, 170. That was a huge game for Crips. So, uh, yeah, definitely every chance to go big again this week, Cripper, and he just looks unstoppable right now. So, and I think with Gorn, Crips. I think Gorn with his high ownership already, and probably going to increase in ownership. Even if he if he goes like a one twenty five or a one thirty, people are taking it mm-hmm. after the disappointing of Neil and. McRae last week, if they get anything that resembles a captaincy score, they're taking it. So if you have a VC on someone else other than Gorn and you just hope to run that gauntlet, so Crips, for instance, probably a better VC because that way, you know, of this that 32 that he had hurt people. Um, yes, yeah, so I don't mind that as an option at all. And if you don't have him but you have Crips, I think definitely Crips VC. If you have um, someone who's not playing, who's probably the biggest issue, because there's only three games after that. So who's not playing? Oh, McCartan. Bang. McCartan. There you go. Keep McCartan, boys. Loophole. Bang. Bang. Um, but that's it. That's it, guys. I think that pretty much – you have anything else that you want to touch on for this week? No, not much, mate. And that, I'm still recovering from my Tassie trip. My liver's a bit sore at the moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> Happy no, birthday, Swizz. Yeah, cheers, mate. Happiest Appreciate of birthdays, that. mate. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. Uh, it's, it's Benny boys in about four days, right, mate? Uh, mine's on Sunday and yours is Monday or Tuesday? Mm, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. You're two days after me. You're well, always we should, behind we... me, mate. First, it's it's first at Supercoach rankings and now it's the birthdays. <laughs> we, we should do that one week. 
and that we need to, I need to be up in Queensland and that and have it all in the one week. Big celebration. Absolutely. Oh, we do. That'll be a glorious yeah. day. Because I don't what. know if you've seen already. Have you put out your team podcast? Probably not yet. No, this I'll, week. Do it to, I'll do it tomorrow for those who are wondering because yeah, I'm, I was in a bit of recovery mode the last no, sort of 24 hours. Tell everyone top 10,000 this week. Oh, I'll tell you. What, <laughs> <free> <laughs> hey, have you seen Have you seen the title already? Chris put up Chris put up top 1,000, blah, 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 and I saw his title. So I sent Chris a little screenshot. I was like, hey, Chris, check this out. And I put in top 500, the exact same amount of exclamation marks. It's Chris great put. the advice that I'm giving to, out to people because I know people are taking it and jumping on. It's just that I don't take that fucking advice. <laughs> hey, but at least you got rid of grunt though and you have gone so i think you are ready to launch at this point in time yeah let's go with that <laughs> well what was it It was pretty much english was the the big the two killers for yeah. me it's been english and um and aaron hall aaron hall was such like bowie instead of hall just changes my everything that's happened in my team the last couple of weeks yeah but not far off come on it's not, not far, far off, off but unfortunately it's a little far off. And then rookie, fucking rookie, rookie roulette has fucking killed me. Oh, that's right. No, uh, nod. You didn't go O'Driscoll. No, and and right. having Hayes on field last week and that. Because oh. I'm like, well, why wouldn't he go freaking 80 against the Giants and that? Because I was going to bench Rochelle. And then, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was going to have him on field as well. And then Chris and I were talking to him. And I was like, but I've got the free loophole. He plays first and I have a loophole. And I'm expecting to use the loophole. Do you know what I mean? So it was one of those ones where I was like, oh, that's lucky. He's on my bench. And then I had to bring Martin into my forward line and then play him. So it was just extremely lucky. I was going to do the same thing. And Chris, you avoided it too. Yeah. But I, I'm doing this, I was doing the same thing with Rochelle. But yeah, I managed to I managed to get Rochelle's points on field, which was another 18. So it really, <laughs> works. Yeah. it really works in my favor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, it could have been worse. You could have had Baldwin or whatever his name is. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps us up. Yeah, thank you very much, everyone. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> Bye.